you would be surprised the way you react in situations. You'd be surprised what your weaknesses are and when they come out because you have not been to that place yet. And I think that's something that we all need to talk about. It's so easy to condemn people because of their situations or because of their shortcomings or because of their insecurities. But when is the last time you've ever walked a mile in that person's shoes? When is the last time that you really knew the extent of what someone is keeping in their mind or in their heart? You don't know. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And we are super excited to introduce a fun guest for you today. Her name is Morgan Richard Oliver. She's an author. She's written two books. She's an advocate for empathy and empowerment. She's a wife. She's a speaker. She has a passion for writing that serves a form of therapy for her and her audience. And so we cannot wait to hear all about her perspectives. She wrote a book called Questions Christ and the Quarter Life Crisis in 2020. And I mean, just the title alone kind of scares me a little bit. Um, (laughs) Scares you? What, you scared of Christ? I mean, questions, (laughs) Christ, and a quarter-life crisis. That's a whole lot in one book title, right? Right. And so, Morgan, welcome so much. Morgan, uh, Modern Morgan. Do people call you by your Instagram name? It's funny you say that because I've had people like call me modern. I'm like, guys, (laughs) it's just, you know. It's just Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. um, Thank you. So, um, yeah, I I wrote Questions Price in the Quarter Life Crisis, I would say a year ago. It was released actually a year ago yesterday. So, it's a little birthday. Congrats. A lot has changed. Thank you. A lot, a lot has changed in one year. Okay. So here's the first question. Do you find that after you shipped it out into the world, you immediately were like, Okay, now I have some different perspectives and like different things to share. Definitely. I can honestly say that book liberated me in so many Mm -hmm. ways because it was literally an extension of my soul, my struggles, my, you know, my pressures, the pains, the growth that I had experienced in the Mm -hmm. last, at that time, I'd say two, two and a half years, but releasing it and -hmm. putting it out there and saying like, this is who I am. This is what I've struggled with. This may be who you saw, but this is who I am now. It helped me grow. And it really brought about that place of empowerment that I tried to extend to people. Because Mm -hmm. as long as you feel like you are a shell of who you are or expectations of people, you know, I can't articulate right now, but it's hard. You feel like you're masked. But if you can come out and say your truth, that's it. Like nothing can, can phase you at that point. Yeah. And I want to get into the depths of that, but you said something that we talk about. We do a what in the world segment, right? 
And <laughs> so I, I know that you, you just went there with the audience and I love it. And I, we're going to get more into but that. But you're going to pull us out. No, but I'm just saying like someone almost took me to the depths of my past <laughs> a couple days ago. Your past from the hood. You almost uh, well, got you, ghetto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was actually yesterday. All uh, right. So here's Eddie's what in the world. Here's my guys. what in the world. Okay. And Morgan, bear with me. And All I right, don't so know there this story. Is a, when, when, when someone is at a stoplight and the, it turns green, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't move. Like, how do you hunk? Do you just, do you lay toot on toot. it or do you give a quick little toot? Like a and quick toot. I, y'all, I'm no lie. I, I'm not really a honker. Like, I just want to sit there and hope. <laughs> okay, like, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a picture. I appreciate that. I yeah, appreciate her heart's that. too kind, we, okay, so she doesn't even honk. Right, so, I'm like, toot toot. Maybe you're not paying attention. Just right. a friendly reminder. But if you sit on the horn for longer than like 1.0 seconds, uh, like it's a yeah. problem. So I'm, in, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at the turning light, getting ready to turn left. And you are the person and at the I light. Am, I am the person at the light. I am at the front of the line. You're the guilty party, right? And so I am like getting my stuff together. I'm like. Put in my phone so my car play works so I can get my, you know, my You're audio. You're a distracted books driver. I'm distracted. Okay. Right? But I'm stopped. <laughs> okay. I'm not like I'm driving and doing this. All right. Well, I missed when the light turned. Okay. Right. And I don't know how long I missed it. So <laughs> that's the problem. But the guy behind me laid on his horn for three seconds, Morgan. <laughs> oh three my God. Three seconds. It felt like five minutes. I, I swear to God. <laughs> so if I know uh, you, you looked up and you were like, what in the world? I was like, wait, that is not appropriate. Right. What happened <laughs> to the beep beep? Oh, no yeah, problem. Thank you. Hot. No, he laid into it. Right. And so then I drive a pretty small car for the size I am. I'm, it's, I'm six. It's a little electric I'm six car. Two, I'm, a, I'm a fairly, you know, large guy. Okay. So I drive and I think he thought I was like a little old lady in my car. Okay. Because that's the only time you would do that. So he would disrespect a little yeah, old lady, not but, but not a six-two big buff a black guy. guy. So I, I make a left turn. <laughs> I know. I, w- I make a left turn, and I'm like, okay, I'm a little heated. My heartbeat's was racing a little bit, and I never get this way. Right. Right. So I must have missed something was on me. So the guy pulls up, and I'm like, I'm gonna stare at him. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna flick him off. I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't get right. road rage. But I'm going to make sure we make eye contact so that he knows that that was out of line. Uh, I promise you, I think he saw a glimpse of me. And I'm not like saying, oh, he was afraid. But something got into him where he was like locked in and he was actually looking to the left. I'm surprised he didn't like merge into the oncoming traffic. But <laughs> I think he realized like, oh, this is not, you know, so the you car doesn't him. represent the person that's in the vehicle. <laughs> So that's the lesson, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is that if you ever want, first of all, first lesson, friendly toot is like right. a quick right. beep beep courtesy, right? Right. If you lay on your horn for three seconds, which feels like five minutes, then yeah. you just got to be prepared that someone will possibly pull out a gun, <laughs> look like Eddie. I was I was like on the verge of getting straight Inglewood, and right? Then- and so, Morgan... It, it, <laughs> That's like the hood in California, right? Well, but the thing is, is like this is all in light of the aftermath of this little boy that was recently shot and killed because his mom was driving. She was taking him to preschool, you guys. I think he was five or six. And his mom was driving. I don't know what happened. There was an altercation. Someone had road rage and the guy gets behind her and just shoots up her car 
and shoots her five or six year old son in the stomach. And he tells her, mommy, my tummy hurts. And he dies like right there. So when I heard that, I was like, don't ever look at anyone. Don't ever honk at someone. Don't you know, flip them off. Like, don't do, Mm -hmm. it's not that serious. So I'm going to tell you right now, like I told the children the other day, you need to compose yourself. Oh, I was composed. Here's the thing. And people who listen to post podcast know that I am super composed. I am like super cerebral. (laughs) Like I am calm, but something got on me. I just, I think it was the third second. If it would have been two seconds. Too much. It was excessive. The third, yeah. And so it made me think about like when you were talking about, you know, uh, overcoming things and like (laughs) I had to overcome a little bit of hood in that moment. But uh, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was- Thank you for that what in the world. That was so insightful, baby. (laughs) Back to Morgan. So wondering, Morgan, you are currently living, you live in Louisiana, right? I understand that they make something famous there where you live, but it is a small kind of country town. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? And do y'all have some sort of Inglewood hood that is around your area to where you could pull your ghetto out if you needed to? (laughs) So right off top, I don't think we have an Inglewood hood. (laughs) Like nothing really jumping at me. So I'm going to go with no. Okay. But I am from Liberia. It's about two, two and a half hours from New Orleans. A lot of people when I do a, an interview or a podcast, they always think I'm from New Orleans. I'm like, no, this is the the other new. You know, mm. it's not no no party town. There's a lot of fields, country, um, you know, things of that nature. It's a different pace. But we are known for our Tabasco sauce, which is made about like five miles away mm. from where I live. And so do you like hot sauce? No. <laughs> no. So you didn't like move there for the look. Tabasco. No, no, no. Like literally generations of family. Like the property that I own now was owned by my great grandfather, who was a black farmer, had like 90 acres. So then, you know, it went to his kids and then his grandkids bought in. So I was like one that bought in. But it's a lot, it's a lot of history. Yeah. A lot of history where we are, but it's one of those things where I'm not saying I'm going to live here forever, Mm. but what, what I have experienced here is a lot of, you know, home. Lots of hospitality. That's awesome. awesome. Well, she's definitely not coming to LA to move to Inglewood now after your story. So it was a great town. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really familiar with Inglewood. So when you said it, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. But you have heard of Compton, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Compton's our little Compton. uh Compton Compton's is our like sister. the little sister of Inglewood, but oh, <laughs> nonetheless, nice. back to you. So you have this Instagram account with tons of followers. You've got people that you are helping to inspire them to push past pain and trauma and struggles and insecurities and your whole entire vibe is about empowerment. Before we dive into like your message, I kind of want to talk a little bit about like what sparked it, where it came from, like what were the challenges or what was the year that you went through? What was the straw that broke the camel's back? How did you stumble into this new, you know, version of you? So can you paint a little backstory for us? Let me paint a picture. So I, like I said, born and raised in Nigeria, married my high school sweetheart. I was always type A, good girl, perfect. Graduated top of my class in college. You know, I just always had everything together. I was always the strong friend. I was always there for everybody. And if I did something, I did it exceptionally well. And I lived off of my to-do list and my goals, which was great. 
But around 24, 25, I just, I kind of started having this inner argument with myself, if that makes sense. Like I started looking around and I saw everything that I wanted, that I worked for, but I was very empty. I felt a lot of resentment in areas. I felt a lot of like, and I already was diagnosed, I don't know if I mentioned that, with anxiety and depression when I was 19, but it was just a different level. And it was a level where, you know, people can say things to you and they can aggravate you and you move on and you live your life. But when that person is you, it's your mindset and it's constant, you can't ignore it. Mm. And I just started to feel just like trapped within myself. So and you were harassing as- yourself, basically, <laughs> like mm-hmm. self-harassment. And mm-hmm. I, that's really that good what you said. So you were harassing yourself, basically. And and what you said was really important. You said when someone else says something about you or has an opinion about you, that's one thing. But when the negative opinion's coming from you, that hits in a different way. So can mm-hmm. you elaborate on that? Like, tell me about your self-harassment and where was it coming from? I think a lot of it was coming from lack of experience and understanding. And like I said, I was always the smart one. I graduated top of my class. Like I was always known for just having it together. But at the same time, I lacked a lot of experience. You know, I grew up around my entire family. I was always in environments where I'm okay or I apply myself, but I'd never apply myself to fail, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So then I get to this point, I'm 24, 25, I'm running my dad's construction company. I have all these great things going on, but it's just this pressure as you know, I made a resume. I started looking for other jobs. I just could wow. not figure out like what is going on with me. And it seemed whether it was my family, my friends, my husband, no matter what it was, I just felt so just empty. I felt like no one could right. see that I was struggling and I couldn't even articulate that I was struggling because I didn't even know how. So that's the quarter life crisis. And, and I Mm -hmm. guess when you start questioning everything, the question Mm -hmm. I have for you, and I don't want this to sound mean, but I know people are going to think like, well, it sounds like she had a perfect life. You know, she has got this great family, this great property. She's got a husband. She's top of everything. She's beautiful. So what the hell are you upset about? You know, like, what was it that you think, like, how can you articulate that? Because I feel like when you're pretty, when you've got things going on, when you have some success, people don't want you to complain about how you're feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the thing about it. Like everything you're mentioning is exterior. Mm. None of it is inward. So if someone can have everything, they can have a huge house, they can have cars, they can have money, they can have all these things, but you're not mentioning a single internal struggle. You're not mentioning thought processes. You're not mentioning trauma. You're not mentioning certain things that people may see or might look back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wonder what this is like. I wonder if this is the life I'm supposed to have or the life that I'm comfortable with. And I think where a lot of people, especially in their 20s, they start thinking like this because you go from living comfortable with your family, all this stuff, and then you want to make all these decisions. And then you get to this place where I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Can someone please tell me what to do? Tell me who I am. Tell me where I'm supposed to show up. Tell me what type of job I'm supposed to have because it's almost too much to handle. So it doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, what you have. If your interior is lacking, is drowning, is hungry, I, I honestly believe that's why a lot of people fill it with drugs 
or with entertaining the wrong things or the wrong people or the wrong environment because you're seeking validation or healing or understanding, comprehension, because you don't have it. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, you think about, like you said, in 19, uh, being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, right? And then Mm -hmm. basically living with that and probably having to just kind of, you know, ironically push through it and just kind of move along without having that assistance and that guidance possibly. Did you have someone or is that where Christ came in or, or maybe even the questions that you asked? Like what really changed or helped you with that at that point? So at 19, being diagnosed, I seek to understand anxiety and depression because I feel like a lot of people, especially now, and it's, and it's no judgment, but I think people tend to think that a pill is going to change everything. But if you don't change your mindset, if you don't understand your triggers, if you don't really try to understand why your brain functions or does not function in a, in a manner that's healthy, then you're going to stay on that cycle. So, you know, I was in therapy. I, you know, I'd go to a counselor in college. And honestly, as crazy as it sounds, people that have anxiety are most often your perfectionists. You know, your detail-oriented people. We want things done right. We want them done in a timely manner. Like, just like today, I was like, I wonder if we can do it at two. I'm constantly thinking, am I going to be on time? Am I going to have this, everything in order? Right. So at that phase of my life, all I had to worry about was school. Fast forward to 24, 25, and I had all this other stuff. I just, I pretty much imploded. Mm. And in the book, it, it goes into great detail of just everything that I felt, everything that I experienced, my actions and reactions, but everything was opposite. So I went from being a very calm person to being just very agitated to in, in situations kind of like the honking thing. Okay. Um, for you, you might just get in on the same way. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything, but I'm going to give you that look like, did you really just honk at me for three seconds? <laughs> but, but when you are at this place where mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you're just depleted, you would be surprised the way you react in situations. You'd be surprised what your weaknesses are and when they come out because you have not been to that place yet. And I think that's something that we all need to talk about. It's so easy to condemn people because of their situations or because of their shortcomings or because of their insecurities. But when is the last time you've ever walked a mile in that person's shoes? When is the last time that you really knew the extent of what someone is keeping in their mind or in their heart? You don't know. Yeah. T.D. Jakes has a quote. Uh, he says that you could be sitting by someone that looks like it, they have it all together, but what's really happening is in their mind is gunshots being fired, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a constant conflict and battle. And it sounds like that's a lot of what you were enduring at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, speaking of T.D. Jakes, like where did kind of Christ come from? Like where did, you know, your faith, how did that help you? So in that season, like 25, I just struggled everywhere, financially, professionally, my marriage, my friendships. It was a very, very dark time. And I completely isolated myself. I went to a deep depression. I didn't eat. I didn't, honestly, I didn't wash my hair. Didn't bake. Like It was just a lot. And it's, to people that have never experienced that, it just sounds like, how could you do that? That's so disgusting. But When you're in that place, it's kind of like you go to sleep every night hoping that you're not going to wake up in the morning. Mm. Everything, you can't 
plan. Literally, you can't plan for a week or a month because you can't even think of what's in front of you. It's just very dark. And I remember, you know, going to counseling three times a week. And that's what I tell people, like, you just don't know what it's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And, you know, being there three times a week and just talking and, and I ended up going to my grandmother's funeral because in the midst of all this happening, my grandparents that I was very close to, I grew up next door to my entire life, they ended up dying within four months of each other. So it was just one thing on top of the next. And I went and one of the women that was at the service worked with my mom and like, she knew, like, no matter how much I could think I was covering, she knew something was wrong because I used to write. I started writing for the Odyssey online in like 2016. And I'd write all these positive things and give all this advice, you know, which a lot of people that aren't happy, they were, you know, compartmentalize and they, it's like that toxic positivity thing. That's where I was. <laughs> and I wrote great things, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of that came from a place of not wanting to handle it myself. So when I went through that, I was just, I disappeared. I got off all social media and she was talking to me and she was telling me, she's like, I know where you are. I could feel where you are because I've been where you are. And she invited me to go to her church was the Saturday night. And I went and it changed everything. Just, I needed to be there. And a lot of things led up to it. It's a long story that we probably don't have time for, but I'll definitely share it with you. Um, But I needed to be there. It was my timing to be there. So did you not grow up like with, cause I know what you teach now, what, what you share is very faith-based. And that was the question, like, did you not grow up with church in the home or did you not really have a religious upbringing? You kind of found Christ when you needed him. Oh no, I, I went to a Catholic school my entire life. Oh, okay. Yeah. My entire family's Catholic. I was in church every Sunday. Okay. Um, not so much when I got married because, you know, you just kind of like, oh, I can do what I want now. You know how you do that. Um, <laughs> but I, th- that is my foundation. The Catholic okay. faith always was my foundation. And which is why even during the time when I was going to counseling, I tried going to like different churches and I just couldn't receive, like I'd feel good in the pew. And then I'd walk back and the weight was literally waiting for me. At the door. Mm. It, it wasn't constant. And I realized you know, especially when I got into my new church that I don't need a title. I need a relationship with God. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. If you're going sit in a building an hour every week, but you're bitter, you're angry, you're racist, you're condemning, that's not doing anything for you. It's supposed to be an inward shift out. And I really started to grow. Yeah. I love that because I think that what you're talking about is sometimes people participate in religion right? And the organization of it, like going to church on Sunday, having Bible study mm-hmm. on a Wednesday, and they they go to and participate in that that structure, but there's no relationship. They ain't got no church right. inside. Right. Like, there's no, there's no. no church happening no, uh, on, a, on a Friday night. Yeah. Right? Those are the people that are honking at you that for three seconds. Are, <laughs> yeah. Angry because they're late for church. Right. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, this church thing's not working out for you. So. Right. Right. <laughs> But that's that's powerful because I think that people may be thinking like listening to this and and maybe they do have faith in their life and maybe they are participating and they may be thinking that their faith is waning because it doesn't seem to be working. But what they're doing is they're participating in in the religion aspect, but they're not participating in the relationship and the spirituality that it can be provided for you. So I I think that's that's super powerful. 
Yeah, I love that. What's one piece of advice that you think you would give right now? I know you give tons of advice on your page. You guys should go follow Modern Morgan on Instagram. But what's one bit of advice if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I am a perfectionist. I can definitely relate. I'm overcommitted. I've got all these things. I'm trying to juggle you know, my kid's Pinterest party and my business, and I'm trying to do a skincare routine. And you know, they're just lost in perfectionism. And it's now creating anxiety and unhappiness, and they're finding themselves kind of being snappy with family members or friends. Where do you think they should start? Like, if they recognize that through this conversation, what's your advice for them? Where to start? Yeah. I think one of the things that I ask myself now that I wish I asked myself years ago is where does this lead you? Because everything we do leads us somewhere, whether it is, like you said, skincare routines. You do that because you want nice skin in years from now. When you are so fixated on validation, perfection, you're going to get that end goal of what you're looking for, but then what? It will never be enough. There, you will always have this thing that like I call destination depression. Like you're there, but then I'm not here. Well, then I need to do this. And I think a lot of it is understanding why you are that way. Everyone has a why to everything. And if we could understand that answer to that question, it will really alleviate a lot of your anxious thoughts and also teach you to interrupt them because that's something that we have a hard time doing as well. You know, we'll think something and I'll start off with a what if. And then five minutes later, you have created this whole lifetime movie scenario of things that probably will not happen. Yeah. But it's because you didn't interrupt that thought process or really understand its meaning. So really to, to pause and understand that even if everything is perfect, what is the point if you can't enjoy it? What is the point if everyone thinks something of you and you don't think that of yourself? Mm. Well, that's all. I mean, destination depression. I think that so many people can relate to that, right? They think that uh, and we teach some of that as well, where people think that it's when I get there, I will feel better, right? When I achieve it, it will make everything right, right? In instead of it being a situation where the journey provides that fulfillment, the journey provides so much more. It's not so much the outcome, it's the journey. So I, I love that because I think that so many people can see that they thought, oh, when I get married, then this will be better. I think that's a that's a huge, huge, huge statement. So I hope people caught that. You said destination depression, though. That's what she said. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. It sounds so like morbid, right? Yeah. Like I'm trying to get to this place and the destination's going to bring me happiness is usually what people think. Right. Or people think, but when they get there, they wind up more unfulfilled and right. more empty and more tired because you did all this stuff to get there. And now your ass is just depressed and you got the prize, right? Wait, not to mention you add right. the, the social element to it and then you're killing yourself to get to something. You sacrifice everything in your life, possibly relationships, mm -hmm. you know, time, your well-being, your health, and then you get there and it's not what you thought. Then I think that people really get down on themselves because they say that if this wasn't it, then what is? Right. So let's talk about, and this is kind of my what in the world, I guess, and I don't even know if it's a what in the world, but I'm getting older. My kids are getting older. We're definitely on, you know, you haven't even had children yet. You're younger, right. but 
you know, we have children. I have girlfriends I've had for a very long time. We went out last night, celebrated my birthday. I just turned 43. And the conversation, thank you. The conversation was very much like, girl, we're getting old. Like we're getting older. We still feel great. We still feel like we look great. But what happens 10 years from now when we don't feel like we look great, right? Like, so we had really fun conversations about like, okay, do you have a Botox regimen? Like (laughs) what's really on the table? What's off the table? Because I think these are conversations that people, women are afraid to have. But as you start to age, as you start to lose a little bit of the stuff that, you know, is important when you're younger, then you can slip into comparison. Mm. But then we kind of went to, well, we have daughters that are, you know, 20. And what happens when we see them slip into comparison? Mm. We have employees who are 30, who are, you know, young millennials who are slipping into comparison and depression because their life isn't where they thought it was going to be. And they're watching other friends get married so it kind of turned into this crazy conversation about just like, this is the the rule of life. You know, mm. you go through this stuff. Everyone at some point goes through comparison or some sort of depression with whether it be aging or you're not where you want to be. What's your take on that? Because, you know, from an empowerment standpoint, you're dealing with a lot of women. Do you come across women that are finding themselves depressed because there's a bit of comparison too? Oh, definitely. And of course, and I, I, for a long time was that woman and I still catch myself sometimes thinking, Oh, Morgan, you need to do this. Or because you have to think we live in the age of social media, right? There is constantly someone or something in our face to where when it even comes to working out, and I tell people that body positivity for women is huge because you have women that are starving themselves overdoing it at the gym, trying to look like women that bought their bodies. It's never going to be the same. And I think that's when we have to remind ourselves that no one will ever be us and we will never be someone else. Like you are gorgeous. You articulate yourself very well. You have an awesome podcast. You seem to have a great husband. You are living your life. Oh, I got it going on. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) You got it. You got it. And I should see that. I should celebrate that. I should collaborate that. I should not see that be jealous of that, want to compete with that. And that's where a lot of us have that, that issue. Right. I feel like strong women collaborate, weaker or insecure women like to compare mm. or like to condemn. And I, that's a telltale sign of someone's mindset. If your first instinct is seeing someone that's doing better than you or even doing something similar to you, you get angry or you get jealous, you need to work on that. Because you should say, how could I be like her? How could I work with her? I want to be like that. God, you've done this for her. I know you'll do good for me. And it's just our mindsets and also the people around us. Because just as you had this conversation with your friends and you know, y'all are all laughing and talking about different regimens, you also could have a crowd of friends that are gossipers or just messy or miserable. And that'll age you, that'll literally age you much quicker. Because you're not working on yourself. You're just talking, not putting energy. So I think that is something that helps me with comparison, knowing that no one will ever be me, ever. No one will ever be you. It's being your best self and knowing that that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really quick, let me tell you this, though, because this was last night. I posted a picture today and one of my girlfriends is like, that's it. I look like a whale in that picture. And I was like, you know, here's the thing you're only ever going to be this beautiful today. 
And the picture mm-hmm. is not really for you. It's for the people that love you. And so that's a whole nother conversation when it comes to like, I just don't feel good enough. So I'm going to let those negative voices that you were talking about earlier, I'm going to self-harass myself for no good reason. Like no one else is telling you this except for yourself, right? Yeah. So there's that perfectionism. There's that self-doubt. There's that comparison. There's that expectation of, you know, I should look like this and I should be here. So now you're just going to harass yourself and you really won't feel great. You yeah. know? Yeah. Right. Self-harassment is the worst harassment. But I, I have a question for really for both of you. Like, what is that balance? Right. Because I, I think men do some comparison. Maybe it may be on more materialistic things or maybe it'd be exactly the same. Maybe it's it's body, it's looks, it's everything. And, and But I feel like it's really prevalent with women but what is that balance between maintaining and, and maybe like Botox and things of that nature and, and beauty regimens and also, you know, the balance of like, hey, some of those things don't matter as much. Like, what is that balance look like? You go first, Morgan, because I, <laughs> I have a, okay. an answer, but I, I'd love to see what you think. Okay. So just talking about body positivity and things of that nature, I was always an extremely insecure person, literally my entire life. So it's kind of funny when people compliment me at like this age, when you tell yourself things for so long, you literally look at yourself through another lens. But in this skin, in this season, I am more confident and comfortable than I've ever been. And I was telling my husband, which is funny that y'all bring this up because I always was a person like I weighed what, 120, 124, 126. And if I started gaining any weight, I'm five, seven, I'm getting fat. I'm, you know, all my clothes are going to be different. It drove me nuts. And last year I told my husband, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be skinny. I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. I want to feel good about myself. So I started working out and eating more protein and lifting weights. And I'm 139 pounds now and I can lift. And I'm sure I could knock the wind out of somebody if I kicked them, you know, just laughing about it now that I look back and see how much pressure I put on myself. But even now I don't have the perfect body. I mean, I sit down like every woman, you might stand up and I don't know if you relate to this, but you stand up and you look a certain way. And then when you sit down, your thighs like grow like yep. times three, you know, or you, you, you know, you, your thigh might wink at you when you sit on the edge of the yep. tub. You don't freak out about it because you're like, look, I am not 16 years old trying to fit into a prom dress. I'm a woman. I change my body changes. And I think that's the mindset that we have to understand. We're going to grow and outgrow mindsets, grow and outgrow people, grow and outgrow clothes. That is life. Change is inevitable or it should be, you know? And I think that Mm. helps with our confidence. Love that. I love it. I don't know. I got lost in her answer. So I second that. Well, I I think what I heard was like, there's a deep level of acceptance. And then there's also Mm -hmm. this understanding that you have to let go of versions Mm -hmm. of yourself that you're trying to take with you. Like you're trying to take with you you're 50 years old, but you're trying to take with you the, the 20 year old version of yourself. Yep. Uh, and you're doing everything you possibly can and not realizing that it's unhealthy, right? From a, just a standpoint of, of your own mental health, because you can't keep that. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So that's right. kind of what I, I really took from what you said. And I, I thought that, that was great because I, I do, do think that, that balance is about how do you feel inside? Right. And then if you, and I, I think, I guess what I'm saying is, is that for women that want to say, hey, I still really want to look my very best for me. Yeah, that's right? where I was going to go with right? my answer. And, and can they be true to that? Right. Because I think you can mm-hmm. say that, but really it's like, if no one's 
complimenting you is it really for, for you? Right. Well, I think that's the thing. You have to do some internal work to ask yourself, like when I feel great, when I go out and people are complimenting me, does it make me feel great? Is that the validation I'm looking for? Right. right? But can I also feel great in my own skin, like Morgan saying, and know that I'm never going to be at that 125 pounds again because I'm not a teenager anymore. Right, I don't have right. a little girl body anymore. And right. I think that it really just comes down to like you've got to find a way to rock your own whatever you have. Like mm. when it comes to body positivity, I'm all for you, you know, rocking whatever you have, but it has to be something you truly like mean. So when you talk about the Botox or the breast implants or whatever it is that people do, I'm all for whatever you do for you. Like if right. it makes mm -hmm. you feel empowered, if it makes you feel beautiful, if it makes you feel youthful, whatever it is you're searching for. But you asked a question, Morgan, earlier, and you said, where does this lead you? I think that could be a really great yeah. question for you to ask yourself, you know, if I'm going out trying to buy all these expensive clothes and I can't really afford them or I want to get a Brazilian butt lift or whatever kind of eye surgery it is that you want, but you can't really afford it, ask yourself, where does this lead you? Well, maybe mm -hmm. it leads you to this facade you that you're trying to create right. So you think you can get to some sort of happiness or confidence. Like you're chasing something. But you right. are going to be chasing it because I'm just telling you, like as a woman who's now like I've been in my 20s where I thought I was in my prime, I had it going on. And then I thought the 30s were the best years of my life because, man, I coupled like the way that I looked and felt and my health with now wisdom that I had gained. Right. And now that I'm in my 40s, I feel like unstoppable. I feel like there's really no need for me to be afraid of anything. Like I've done hard, scary things. I feel more confident than I've ever felt in my life. And I also can look at someone your age, someone who's 20, like our kids, someone who's, you know, a 12 year old. And I just can see so much promise and potential, but I also can recognize the struggles that come with each right. of those decades, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And so I have a question for Morgan. Like, it sounds like you went on a, this, like I, I say amazing now because when you look back it's it's always like hey this is the, you know that was a great growth but one of the things that we always talk about is like when there's growth in the relationships right so you go on this journey but what does it look like for your spouse mm -hmm. what has that dynamic been you going on this journey and getting to a place where you know you've written two books now mm -hmm. and you've really come into your own to this mm -hmm. point in your life obviously there's going to be more changes and iterations, but how has that been within your relationship and in, in your marriage? It has helped tremendously. Rusty and I, I was 16 years old when we got together. So this year we wow. made 13 years together. It's going to be seven years married. And it's everyone thinks of getting with someone at a young age. is like something on Pinterest or a fairy tale. But people have to understand too, that you're growing with that person. People grow at different times and in different ways. There's also different types of intelligence. You know, somebody could have all the book smarts in the world with no street smarts or, intel, you know, yeah. emotional intelligence or spiritual intelligence. And I think for us, these past few years, we are more of ourselves and we are more of each other, if that makes sense. And I'll dive into it because you're like, wait, what? But, you know, when you get married at 22, 23, you, and it's, we were the first ones of our friend group, it was a lot of, hearing advice, but not having the wisdom and understanding to truly receive it. Mm. You know, now at this age I am, I'm 29 years old, the way that I think at 29 
in comparison to the way that I thought at 21 day and night, because I've had different experiences. I've had different, you know, opportunities to grow. But, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're younger, people tell you to, what's the word that they use? And so I hate when I do this. Everything no, is like okay. in my head. And then when, yeah. it, when it comes out, it's like jumbled. We got but you. you oh, yeah. You're supposed to let your spouse be your spouse. Okay. You are supposed to, you know, if you like doing things, you continue doing what you want. Let them do what they want. You know, be there. But a lot of people miss the, the true lesson and the true importance of you need to do these things together. You need to grow together. Yes, you might like going on trip. Yes, you might having alone time, all these different things, but you are one. Right. So whenever I started my journey of understanding God and understanding myself and my thoughts and my life and where I was, where I wanted to go, even though he wasn't in that church with me all the time, even though he wasn't in that office with the counselor all the time, he was in the home. So it's like it rubs off and your thinking changes and his thought process changed. And it made me open up a lot more to him. I'm extremely comfortable. Like I always say, like, he's the person I can be my 100% self with, no matter how deep or corny or just chaotic at times. He is my person. He has seen me at my absolute lowest. Like I said, he washed my hair when I couldn't even function. He loved me at times. I couldn't love myself. And I probably was not the most lovable person on this planet, but he did. And that taught me something about him. And that taught me something about us and how God uses everything. And I tell people like, look, I know not everyone's comfortable talking about God or religion or all these things, but I say it because I've seen in every aspect of my life, my marriage, my business, how I think, how I live, he didn't waste any of it. Even the most difficult parts of my journey, even the most embarrassing parts of my journey, he taught me something. He allowed me to fall and he allowed me to keep doing it until I saw the greater message and all of my life's messes, including my relationship. And my husband is my best friend. Like I really... I couldn't imagine my life without him. And I'm so grateful for it. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, it, it That's affects great. both of us. That's great. So what kind of rituals or habits do you have that set you up for success in the future now? Because, you know, as you said, you're 29. I told you my 30s were like what I thought the best years of my life. We, I think in your 30s, you take that wisdom and then you start to achieve and accomplish and build more. And so knowing that you're going to continue to grow your business, your message, I'm sure write another couple of books as life hands you new challenges. What are some rituals and habits that you have to make sure that you're going to be prepared to overcome those as they come your way? Well, number one, like you said, prepare, be prepared for what I pray for. You know, I tell people a lot, especially lately, I know that this is not the end for me. I know that God's preparing me for something whether that means moving or being uncomfortable in some capacity, there's certain things that he's doing and showing me, you need to work on this. You need to get this in order so that I can take you. So being prepared for what I pray for, being mindful of my motives, focusing on things that bear fruit, whether it's profits, whether it pertains to my purpose or my passion, it's literally always being in order. 
and understanding that if I want to move forward, we have to be mindful of distraction, you know, and it sounds, if I would have told myself that years ago, I was like, what What are you talking about? But in looking forward to the future, it's, it's to have that tunnel vision and know that it's okay if not everyone understands as long as you understand. It's okay if not everybody likes you as long as you love you. Put your work in where you need to. Listen to what God tells you. You don't even need to listen to yourself half of the time. Just stay focused. I can't like underline that enough. Be focused and it'll get you there. I love that. that. So let me ask you this because we've been talking about friends lately. Do you have a solid group of friends or do you find yourself like, at the phase where maybe you've outgrown some of your friends because, mm-hmm. you know, so talk to me about friends because we joke and we're like, well, we basically have each other. And then there's mm-hmm. a couple of external people. But yeah. how are you with the friends? Because I think this is important for us to unpack because people would see someone like you and be like, oh, she's so outgoing and she puts stuff on social media. She must have a million friends. Is that the goal? What is your friend life like? Can you break it down okay. for the people? It's so funny that you say that because I've put a lot of things on social media, but if you look, I really don't put anything personal. You've never seen photos of my friends. You've never seen me going, eat anywhere, doing anything. And that's one of those lessons I learned to like, keep your life covered, you know, still be relatable, but cover things that are meaningful. And when it came to friendships, I'm going to brush back on me saying, as you grow, you outgrow. Right. And as I grew and I stopped making excuses for myself, Because whenever you work on yourself mentally and spiritually, God doesn't just reveal all these wonderful truths to you. Like you have to come to terms with some ugly truths about yourself, the people you allow in your life, the environment you go, you know, the things that you listen to. And I couldn't ignore some of the revelations that I was receiving. I couldn't ignore the fact that I had some friendships that expired long ago. But my comfort and my loyalty would not allow me to release them, which mm-hmm. held me back in certain ways. And it's understanding that, you know, you don't have to be enemies with people, but you have to know when something has run its course. You know, I might have thousands of memories with certain people, but that doesn't mean I have to make another one. Like, I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to love you for it, but I'm going to keep it going. And, you know, I have my two best friends that I've been friends with since, I mean, high school, you know, we're very close, but a lot of my friends, you know, are people that I seek wise counsel from, you know, I'm close to, you know, my parents, my pastor, you know, elders in my family, but I've learned that I don't just throw that word out there anymore. You know, like there, there are people that are your family members. There are people that you're, or your associates, you might work with people. Not everybody is your friend. And I have a very close knit group of friends, like I said, that, and they, not that they're all, like we're all friends with each other and we go places, but everyone serves their purpose. Everyone that I have in my life, I could be myself. I don't have to think twice. If they're going to talk behind my back, I know where their motives are. I know who they are. And I think that is the biggest thing whenever you're growing and you're shedding skin is to understand that if you keep people around you that don't want to grow, if you keep people around you that are still thinking how they thought five, 10 years ago, still struggling with the things they were struggling with five, 10 years ago, where do you think that's going to bring you? The conversation will not change. Your dreams and aspirations are going to seem outlandish because 
the concept of growth is unfathomable to them because they've never experienced this for themselves. So, you know, love people, accept their place that they had, respect it, but understand not everybody can go with you or wants to go with you. Love it. Yeah. And in closing, because I think we could keep talking about tons of different conversations and I'm looking forward to connecting with you even off of the podcast, but in closing, what do you want when people talk about you, your legacy, what do you want to have contributed to the world and to, or, or to whom? I just want for people to learn that nothing in life is wasted. Nothing. You know, I look at people and I know when we first started our conversation, you're like, oh, you know, well, you came from a pretty comfortable life or you have this and you have that. And I wish more people would see that no matter what people go through, no matter what their background is, no matter where they are in life, it is never too late to change your direction. It's never too late to step outside of expectation. It's never too late to use your empathy and passion to make a difference in not only your life, but in other people's lives. Because everyone loves a positive thing to read. But what really changes people's lives are things that are empathetic, things that are raw, people being vulnerable and saying like, look, I know you feel alone, but I know where you are. I've been where you are, or I am where you are. That's how you change. No one is going to remember someone just because, like you said, they had a Brazilian butt lift or they have perfect skin. You don't remember that. You really don't. What impacts you is how someone made you feel and how someone made you change how you feel about yourself. And that's what I want to be remembered by. Love it. That's awesome. That's great. Well, Morgan, thank you so much. We want to give away a few of your books. And so can you talk to us about your most recent book and who that's for and who might be interested in reading that book, what what they would get from it? Yeah. So my newest book is called Blooming Bear. And I pretty much, I tell everybody, if you've read Questions Christ in the Quarter Life Crisis, which is so funny when I say it, I'm like, I literally have a whole sentence for a book title, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but it's really, it's a poetry and prose collection. And it's your lessons and thoughts, your innermost thoughts when you're going through that journey. So, you know, there is, you know, breaking, assessing, redirecting, and embracing. So it's all those parts of your journey because a lot of times we don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to start loving God today. I'm just going to accept where I am and, you know, look at the purpose in all life's pain. No, like something gets your attention. Something usually breaks or is not right. So it walks you through that and your thought processes and the lessons and really shows you that until you are there, you know, release yourself of regret, release yourself of expectation. You really can't bloom. And it's a beautiful journey. Mm. I love so it. Good. So if you guys are interested in getting bare and starting to bloom, I want you to take a couple of seconds to leave a writing and review for the Push Podcast, then head over to Instagram, go follow Modern Morgan. And then we're going to give away three books, one to help support Morgan and her message, but also to help support you guys in your growth and personal development. So thank you so much for making the time to hang out with us today. You are a beautiful soul on the inside and outside. And I'm just looking forward to connecting with you more. Yeah. Thank you so much. And for everyone, Mon Morgan, Morgan Oliver. Yeah. Thank you so much. Check her out. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. 
hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.